You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Today we bring you part two of my conversation with Craig Stein, senior consultant at R3 and the ChatGPT platform itself around generative AI in marketing. On part one, we discuss the effect AI is having and will have on media, data, and more. Today, we're discussing the real threats AI poses to the industry and larger world and what we believe AI will never be capable of. But first, we discuss a very murky topic. Am I even allowed to have ChatGPT on my show? So this is a very interesting answer that honestly, before we began, you know, in our initial chat, I didn't even know the answer to this question. I didn't even realize, I didn't know whether or not we could legally invite ChatGPT onto this show. So do platforms like ChatGPT own the answers they generate? Does the person who crafted the question or prompt have claim to the answer received? Well, I know this is muddy, but where, where are your feelings about where this is headed? Yeah, so this one's unbelievably complicated, but somewhat simple as well. The the simple piece is uh, at least right now with the the major players, uh, you know, in the marketplace, your OpenAI's, your you know, your Meta's, Google's, and so on and so forth, Microsoft's, they do not own what we enter into any of these platforms. They will be built into their tools. It'll be sort of be a you know a, a utility the way you know something like search has been, you know. But it, it, it's also that sort of gray area of like, do you own your email or does Gmail own your email? And so that's where it's actually going to get into a lot of the ethical and regulatory issues that are happening here. And I think this gets back to what we're talking about with speed. I think, you know, at least in the US, we are only barely getting to some of the regulations behind social media uh, and even things like programmatic, let alone the, the way AI is going. And, and certainly not to get political, but with sort of the, the septuagenarian, octogenarian representation that we have, Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there needs to be a lot of education education. And that needs to happen very, very quickly. Obviously, there's this uh, discussion currently about, you know, should we pause uh, sort of the development of AI? I, I don't think that toothpaste is getting back in the tube. It's not like you know, other countries are going to, you know, agree to that timeout anyway. So right. I think it is incumbent on us to regulate as much as we can for the greater good. Yes, you know, in the world of marketing to, to, to monetization, but um, I think it's going to be absolutely critical that we get it right, that we continue to adapt and evolve as this changes. So it's well beyond things like ownership. It's getting into things like privacy and reality and bias and misinformation. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, this is sort of a you know, break glass in case of emergency, but also a really big opportunity yeah. to to make AI a tool that that can benefit us all in, in all our various industries. I completely agree, completely agree. And yeah, to your point about the people who are doing this regulation, it always will ring in my mind for the rest of my life when some when a, a congressperson asked Mark Zuckerberg, well, if somebody else leaves your Facebook and goes to another Facebook, like like people are were buying a Facebook. Uh, you know, like Facebook was the product, like that level of not getting it to this day makes me shiver. So yeah, I think that it's going to be really incumbent on this industry to put its own rules in place because by the time they get it right, 
uh, with AI and all of this stuff, there's going to be a lot in between now and then. Um, and I think that it's really on brands to do the right thing because this, like as Craig said, is an incredible opportunity, but there's no guarantee that this goes right. So it's, yeah. So this, I have to bring in our guest because I really He's been invoked. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So ChatGPT, do I own this answer? Do you own this answer? What, what's the, what's the, what's the haps? In general, platforms like ChatGPT and other AI language models that generate answers do not own the answers they generate. Instead, the answers are typically considered to be a product of the AI algorithms and the data they have been trained on. However, it's worth noting that there are different legal and ethical considerations surrounding ownership and intellectual property when it comes to AI-generated content. Some AI language models are trained on specific datasets or proprietary information, which can impact who owns the rights to the resulting output. In the case of ChatGPT specifically, the answers it generates are based on a large, pre-existing dataset of text, and the platform itself is owned by OpenAI. While the answers themselves are not owned by the person who crafted the question prompt, users of the platform may have some claim to the usefulness or relevance of the answers they receive particularly if they have paid for access to the platform or are using it for a specific purpose. Ultimately, the question of ownership when it comes to AI-generated content is still being debated and decided in various legal and ethical contexts, and it's likely that different jurisdictions and situations will have different interpretations of who owns what. Very well said. I, I think that that was like an actually a, a, a pretty interesting answer from ChatGPT, and I do appreciate that it kind of touched on that thing of like, well, if you've created a generative AI based on your proprietary data set, then there is something to be said about owning whatever the output is, you know, connected to the data set. But when the data set is the internet, um, I think that that kind of throws ownership out the window ultimately. Although, you know, it's crazy that we're recording to, today because I think just yesterday, a song that was uh, created by an AI engine that was just fed Kanye West and weekend music and, you know, had what, I think 6 million views on TikTok or something. It is now removed from every streaming site, from Spotify, from Apple. It is no longer available to be streamed. Um, now, this was an injunction. This is not an actual law. This you know, will be debated, but the the first move was made by the music industry and it, you know the song is not is now not available on any major platform so this is already this is water we're already kind of you know at least knee deep in the the ip angle of this all is mind blowing and you know if you know, if you don't want to be a copywriter, maybe go be a, you know, an IP uh, lawyer because, <laughs> um, you know, yes, there's a ton in the public domain, right? You got that. I think there was a fake Drake song. There was a, a fake Joe Rogan podcast or, you know, some of the imagery that's out there um, that is owned by, by some of these individuals and corporations that are out there. How on earth are we going to regulate that, right? Show me yeah. a picture of me flying around with, you know, Spider-Man. Like, that's awesome. I want that picture. But now do, do I own you know, Disney, Marvel, and or Sony some money because I posted that somewhere. Um, are brands going to get themselves in, into that kind of trouble as well? And I think the, the legal side of that is unbelievably complicated uh, as to who owns what. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Amen. <laughs> yeah, man. And I just, you know, my one hope, and I don't, I'm not, I'm somewhat an optimist, but somewhat cynical as well. The pettiness, if we can just rise from the pettiness behind this issue, I think that we can get to the really exciting and really effective and really useful things behind AI. But I worry that our human nature towards selfishness is going to make this a prickly thing when it could really be a fount of incredible creativity and inspiration. Um, so <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I explained to a coworker why this Skynet is not like six months away and I might be dating myself with that reference, Skynet is the AI platform in the Terminator movies that decided it was going to take over the world and cause all of this chaos that sent Arnold Schwarzenegger back through time. If I had a dollar for every time I explained that that is not anywhere near ready to happen. If it ever does, I would be on an island somewhere, probably still recording this podcast because I love it. But <laughs> we're far, far away from dystopia. We're far, far away from AI sentience. And that's, I mean, that's something I feel confident enough to not really equivocate on. But today, AI still does pose some real threats. Uh, what are some of the, the realest threats AI poses today, 2023? Yeah, well said. And I, you know, if you want to update the the Skynet uh, reference, uh, you know, I, I would go with Ultron. Um, mm. You know, and 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 Good oddly, one. you know, similar to how these large language models are created, it's basically been fed the internet. And I don't know if anyone looks to the internet as the best of humanity. There is a ton there, and there is valuable, and it's you know a, a, the the recorded history of humanity as long as it's been digitized is there. But there is a ton of awful human behavior that that exists there. And I think, you know, so that was sort of the, you know, to get philosophical about, you know, age of Ultron, as it were, um, you know, or, or our Skynets. You know, I, I think there has been a lot of discussion about those who are, are you know, sort of bringing AI into the world, this, you know, 10% figure of, hey, maybe we're creating something that kind of ends humanity. So so there, there is something real there, but I agree. I, I think we're far away from it. You know, AI is not sentient. What we are doing uh, or what AI is doing as an industry for whatever reason, maybe perhaps it's monetization, perhaps it's the easiest way for us to get our heads around it, is this idea of mimicking humans, human behavior, feeding us what we want to hear based on predictions from things like the data it was fed, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the, the internet. So that is there, that is a risk. But I, I think the, the more risk, at least in the, in the short term, um, before we go um, to our bunkers and our islands, is around a, a, a lot of what we discussed, this, this mimicking of, of human behavior um, and, and what that could mean. Uh, chat uh, companions, I think, could be a really positive thing. Could bring people out of their shells. It could also create, you know, further isolation that that a lot of people are are, are experiencing. I think, you know, sort of in a, a philosophical way. I think those are those are big and, and, and important things. You know, getting it back to, to marketing, I think it could just lead us down, you know, bad paths. We talked about misinformation and bias, and you know, shifting opinions in ways they really shouldn't. I think, you know, the bad actor piece, and and not necessarily purposeful bad actors. I mean, I think, you know, the 2016 election, which had this idea of misinformation being flooded into the marketplace to change people's perceptions. I do think that's real. Um, and that can exist both, you know, socially, I think that exists in, in, in things like trying to convince people of certain opinions or, you know, heck, just to buy certain things. So I do, I do worry about that a little bit. And I think ultimately that those are going to be the challenges, which is what connects this to, to some of the pieces uh, around regulation. So I think ultimately it's 
Can we believe what we read? <laughs> Can mm-hmm. we believe what we see, what we hear? Um, and I, I think those are, are genuine, real challenges juxtaposed against helping us with new technologies, with new innovations, with new ways of working, new ways of thinking. And so there, there is this duality there, but um, I, I'd like to be optimistic about where this is heading. Very well said. Very well said. Let's see what our friend thinks. It is the most <laughs> the most th- threatening. He's thing fueling the birds says. now. Yeah. <laughs> Job displacement. AI and automation have the potential to replace human workers in many industries, particularly in jobs that involve repetitive tasks. This displacement can lead to significant economic and social consequences, particularly for workers in low-skilled or low-paying jobs too. Bias and discrimination. AI algorithms are only as unbiased as the data they are trained on. If the training data is biased, the AI will be biased as well. This can lead to discriminatory or exclusionary outcomes, particularly in areas such as hiring, lending, and criminal justice. 3. Privacy and security. AI systems can collect and process vast amounts of personal data, which can be used for malicious purposes if not adequately secured. There are also concerns about the potential for AI-powered cyber attacks, which could exploit vulnerabilities in networks and devices for existential risk. There are concerns about the potential for advanced AI to surpass human intelligence and become a threat to humanity itself. While this is a long-term concern, some experts argue that it is essential to consider the potential risks of AI as we continue to develop the technology. Overall, while AI presents many opportunities, it also poses significant threats that need to be addressed to ensure the safe and responsible development and use of the technology. Don't disagree with you. Don't disagree with you at all. For me, I think I agree with you, Craig, that the social manipulation part, because it's just got such a long-term effect. It's got so many ripples that like, we don't need any more doubt in the institutions that we rely on every single day. And I think this is just, has the potential to increase that distrust exponentially, if we're not careful. The echo chamber effect, right? The the fragmentation of of media and, and being fulfilled on one's own individual bias, um, you know, this could just happen on a on a purely individual level. And, and that's that's some really scary stuff. I mean, he, he was a little dark there. I mean, he, you know, yeah. <laughs> wish wish he took the red pill. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I don't think we're heading to that. Um, but I, we think we have to be aware of those risks, mm-hmm. but not feed the AI those risks so they yes. go and do it for us. Well, yeah, I think that that's one of the things, you know, machine learning, it's as impressive as it is concerning its ability to just reinforce, reinforce, get better, get better, get better, get better, get better, get better. If you've got a racist bot, it's just going to get better at that. So uh, very interesting. Although, yeah, I do think that um, it's going to be a long time, if ever, that we're even close to having to worry about this moment of singularity type situation. Understanding our own consciousness is probably going to be before that. That's probably going to be a a grocery (laughs) item to tick off before we can recreate it in a computer. We've been talking a lot about the opportunities AI presents. We just discussed the threats it can present. In your opinion, what do you believe AI will never, ever be able to do? I, I continue to believe AI will not be able to crack high-level strategic thinking 
in the ways that that we need it for for things like marketing. Or I'll give an example, uh, you know, based based in sports, you know, baseball, right? The move towards mm-hmm. analytics. You know, yep. sometimes a manager says you just gotta, you know, put in the lefty because you have to, or you know, the the data is saying this, right? It's predictive, but it's still about human behavior and what is going to happen. And sometimes there's just a hunch. A manager puts in a player, does something weird, you know, zigs when they should zag. And I think, not that I don't think AI can't try to predict those things. And I think it will get smart and will be able to do that. But I think it's with that certainty. And I just don't think the, you know, the human element of, you know, I just think that's going to work or I'm taking a risk, I'm taking a hunch um, is going to be there. I, I don't think AI will achieve sentience at least anytime soon. I think it could fool us into thinking um, it has sentience, especially once AR, AIs start building more AIs. And, and so I think it could get very complex very quickly, but I, I'm not entirely sure, you know, the rise of the machines will occur in, in, in that particular way. And I, I think those are, those are the main ones, but I, I, I just don't, you know, it's not going to be able to completely mimic or understand the human experience. I think it'll be able to spit back to us features of the human experience based on the on the more data uh, it gets. Yeah, I think it's always going to be to some extent uh, like a funhouse mirror. You know yes. what I mean? It's going to get, and it, and the, the mirror is going to get less and less and less and less messed up. But if you really look at it, it's kind of like the ancient warning. If you meet a stranger on the road, check their hands. Because if it doesn't look right, you're not dealing with a human. That is 100% in every AI-generated image I've seen to date. That's the first thing I look for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's clear that there's just some, certain things that it's not approaching. And you said this earlier in the conversation, and I didn't want to get us off track, but like, it's going to spit out something that a human just looks at and knows is wrong or doesn't make sense. That common sense, quote unquote, I just don't think there's a really a way to engineer that. And like you said, I think it'll get closer and closer and closer to a facsimile of that. But there is just that element. You know, we are mysteries unto ourselves. We don't know how our brains work. And so, you know, that kind of magic is very, 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 very far from our grasps. Yeah, we don't have it figured out. And we are trying to <laughs> create something in our own image, not to get religious here, but like that won't quite be figured out either. So yes, I, I think it can ultimately and, and potentially fool us, but I, I think it's it's about education. We need to train ourselves to understand, you know, when you see that email, that piece of copy, that image, that system that that is indeed, you know, AI generated, that's not a bad thing, but we just have to, we have to get smarter about what we are building to 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 be able to to spot it. I mean, I think it's the reason, you know, things like electric cars haven't quite taken off or the planes mm-hmm. don't fly themselves, although they they sort of do. We still need that oversight, even amongst humans, which are flawed and can not think necessarily as quickly as the machines, but I, I, I definitely agree with that promise. ANA Marketing Futures and Demand Metric are proud to present the Future of Marketing Report, A Road to Hypergrowth. Our research revealed two starkly different groups of marketers, hypergrowth marketers who are poised to win in the short and long term, and laggard marketers who are adrift in a sea of uncertainty and stagnancy. This report is aimed to capture and share crucial insights that will help all marketers prepared for the future, regardless of their sophistication and the uncertainty that transcends the world. To get your copy, visit ana.net slash hypergrowth.
All right, let's see how humble ChatGPT is when we <laughs> ask it, what is AI incapable of? As an AI language model, I don't have personal beliefs or opinions, but there are certain things that current AI technology is not capable of and it may never be able to do, including 1. Emotional intelligence. While AI can be programmed to recognize and respond to certain emotions, it is not capable of experiencing emotions in the way that humans do. Emotions involve subjective experiences that are difficult to quantify and replicate in a machine too. Creativity. While AI can generate novel outputs based on existing data, it is not capable of true creativity or imagination. Creativity involves the ability to think outside of the box and come up with ideas that are entirely new, which is something that is currently beyond the capabilities of AI. 3. Common sense reasoning. While AI can be trained to recognize patterns and make predictions based on data, it is not capable of common sense reasoning. Common sense involves the ability to make judgments and decisions based on context and experience, which is something that is difficult to program into a machine. 4. Consciousness. AI is not capable of being conscious or self-aware in the way that humans are. Consciousness involves subjective experiences and a sense of self that is currently beyond the capabilities of AI technology. It's important to note that as AI technology continues to evolve and improve, it may be able to perform tasks that are currently thought to be impossible. However, it is likely that there will always be certain aspects of human experience that are difficult to replicate in a machine. ChatGPT, thank you for that, because you brought up a, a kind of a thing I wanted to touch on before about this idea of like the robots ever deciding that destroying humanity is the next thing on its agenda. Just that concept is so deeply, imperfectly human, is so messed up on a logical level, carnage and destruction makes no sense. Uh, we ask this of all of our guests, we keep it open-ended uh, purposefully. What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Um, I, I think, you know, similar to the conversation we just had that, you know, diversity of experience, of opinion, of belief, ways of thinking is, is so crucial to us. You know, we've been talking, you know, high level as, as, as a species. And I think we, we should be rewarding that if only sort of just like biologically, <laughs> like more diversity is better for all of us. But, you know, in, in, in the, you know, the workplace or what have you, I think we should encourage it. It, it is important. And I, I do think it makes us better. Um, you know, where I've been concerned is when it's inauthentic. Um, you know, when a brand will, you know, slap a rainbow logo in Jude and feel like they're making a difference, but not have policies that that mimic that. That's that's where, you know, I, I being insensitive, not understanding, uh, you know, something that really frustrates me. Um, I also think it's really important to understand that that all diversity is is not necessarily visible uh, or, or skin deep, you know, well beliefs, orientation, uh, disability, just experiences trauma. And I think you know, there are some that are, are certainly more visible than others and, 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 and we should be cognizant of them and, and, and foster and reward and, and build, you know, teams and systems around them. But I think diversity is, is, is well beyond some of the, the boxes checked on say a job application or, mm -hmm. um, you know, some sort of other demographic, uh, you know, uh, checklist. Love it. 
really don't have anything to add to that. Very, very well said. And I agree 100%. I love your point about not everything being immediate, not every bit of diversity being immediately apparent to the eye. All right, Craig. So we've been talking some light subjects, future of AI, possible dystopia, sentience and in, in machines, kids stuff, kids stuff. Are you ready? Are you ready for this next question, Craig? I don't know. Well, no. <laughs> Let's find out. Craig Stein, senior consultant at R3. What is your favorite album of all time and why? It's a great question. Um, and, and I'm curious amongst the younger set, you know, the answer is like, what's an album? Um, that, that's, that's I, I've been told I have like, yeah, I have, I've been told <laughs> I have like one or two years left to ask that question and not have people go, huh? Like, yeah, what's your favorite playlist? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll say this. I am a, a massive uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Now, Blood Sugar sits in the Pantheon. It's up there. Amazing. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say mm-hmm. the album By The Way, Ooh. I think is an absolutely perfect album. It I th- it came out at a time for me and I think resonates. Some of the first thing we just talked about watching, you know, ads in 1987 or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this album came out just in, in a influential period in my life. I listened to it continuously for the past whatever 20 years it's been since that album is out and so that that is what i am putting on the record on this podcast we love it we love it and that's actually not the first red hot chili peppers but not blood sex sugar magic answer in the history of this podcast so you're in you're in very good company oh good i'm, I'm following a trend a indeed indeed <laughs> So before we let you go, let's bring it up to the present. Is there something you're listening to now, be it an artist, a song, a podcast, maybe a book? What's getting you excited nowadays? Yeah, so I'm listening to the podcast uh, Fly on the Wall, which is uh, Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast, which I absolutely love. So, uh, you know, them from Saturday Night Live, talking about their experiences, but also talking with talent that has been on the show um, you know, hosts that have come through, uh, particularly those who uh, auditioned but didn't make it and those oh, wow. stories. And I think it's just the the, the behind the scene. I, I'm a total comedy junkie. You know, I love the history and ethos and all the ins and outs, you know, Jim Carrey bombed his, uh, you know, audition. And, and some of this is just a really just fantastic pieces of information that, that they bring out. I think it's fun. It's me not doom scrolling or listening to how AI is going to end the world or anything like that. <laughs> and um, I absolutely love it. Recommended to all. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> Craig, if, if people are really excited about the conversation that we just had, and I think they should be, uh, how can they learn a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about R3? Yeah, well, you can go to the R3 uh, website and find me. Uh, I'm certainly on all the socials. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. You can email me, Craig at R3.com, R-T-H-R-E-E. You got to spell it out. Come by, hang out. Looking forward to talking to anybody if they're interested. Very, very cool. Craig, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you'll join us next week as we welcome Yvonne Kinzer, head of marketing for one of my favorite brands, Avocados from Mexico. 
In the meantime, if you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the pod, shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ANA.net. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, get ready for the future of marketing at ANA.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.